On this episode of the Grizz Podcast, I'm pretty worked up. That's right, I am. I'm going to begin a new series of talks on effective biblical strategies to fight lust. That's right, effective biblical strategies to fight lust. These talks are no doubt rated MA for mature audiences, some pretty graphic content on here. But it's much needed content. It needs to be said. It's much needed content that honestly the church and many pastors are remaining silent on because many of them are cowardly. That's right. I said it. You're cowards. Some of them remain silent just because they're out of touch with what the men in their church are really dealing with and need to hear, desperately need to hear. These talks I'm going to give will help you overcome your struggles with sexual lust if if you take heed to what i'm saying as always the grizz keeps it raw real and relevant but also going to keep it biblical grounded in the scripture i just say it and i don't care if you think i'm inappropriate or if you think i've gone too far i don't care if you unsubscribe i don't care if you would never have me come speak at your church Man, I've heard it all, my brothers. I don't care. You know what I care about? Helping trapped Christian men break free and fulfill their God-given destiny. The rest of y'all self-righteous, judgmental, frozen, chosen vipers can kiss my big furry grizz rump. So here we go. brothers from other mothers a little bit of reliant k there for you i love those guys i've seen them live incredible tight musically tight everything everything tight it was all there right on time perfect sync love it anyway today is wednesday august 2nd 2023 when i'm recording this Coming at you from the beautiful low country of South Carolina here in the Grizz Cave as usual with my dog Remy and a fresh cup of 127 coffee. You know why? Because all I drink is exceptional coffee. 127 coffee. Go get you some at 127.com. Man, I'm actually kind of excited today, dude. I'm kind of giddy. 
kind of giddy like a a child, you know, before he gets to go to like the water park. You know, like it's hard to fall asleep that night because you're so excited because the next day you're going to a big water park with wave pool and water slides and lazy river. Like that's how I was when I was a kid. I get all giddy about stuff like that. He said, what are you giddy about, Grizz? What are you so excited about? Well, this evening, my wife and I and some friends are going to see one of my favorite bands in concert. That's right. Tonight in Charleston. You want to know who's in town? I'm going to tell you who's in town, dude. These guys right here. Counting Crows is in town. And the Grizz is going to be up in there. Dude, I think I'm like on the third row. So like basically, I'm going to charge the stage, okay? Because he's going to see me. He's going to be like, Grizz, Grizz is here, y'all. And he knows that I want to sing along. You know, he's going to let me, dude. Of course, I'm the Grizz, man. Counting Crows playlist because it's what I've been playing today to get hyped up for this concert tonight, man. It's good stuff. <sighs> if you know it, my brothers, sing along with me. <laughs> We're gonna have some fun for a little bit before we get into the meat of this week's episode. A long December, and there's reason to believe maybe this year will be better than the last. That's right. I can't remember the last thing that you said as you were leaving. Now the days go by so fast. And it's one more day up in the canyons. And it's one more night in Hollywood. If you think that I could be forgiven I wish you would na 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 yeah This is so good man Hanging around that's what I'm gonna be doing tonight. Hanging around. Hanging around with Count Crows. They better let me on the stage. 
on the sofa Says, where have you been? I've been waiting for you Cause last night I had songs so good These days get so long And I got nothing to do I've been hanging around this town corner I've been humming around this old town so long Alright, I'm gonna stop right there, man. I'm fired up, dude. What else is going down lately? Um, I have made a major life-changing decision recently to never again record an episode of the Grizz podcast without wearing a headband. That's right. I feel that my inner bear flows better when I wear some sort of headband while I'm recording, as you can tell, things have gone to a whole new level on this episode because I am now wearing headbands when I record. I, I can't explain it. It does something to me. So today, as I record, I am wearing my Miyagi-Do karate headband. That's right. Because Mr. Miyagi was a legend. Was a legend. This is undisputed. He was a legend. I love that guy. He was the best. You know what I'm saying? He was the best. Try to be best, cause you're only a man. And a man's gotta learn to take it. Try to believe, though the going gets rough, that you gotta hang tough to make it. History repeats itself, try and you'll succeed. Never doubt that you're the one, and you can have your dreams. You're the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down, you're the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down, you're the best around. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down. Alright. <sighs> Feel a little bit better, man. That was very, very uh therapeutic for me. You know what I'm saying? Good stuff. Anyway. Let's talk about something that really, really matters. Let's rip into the meat of this week's episode. I know that many of you who listen to the Grizz podcast struggle with sexual lust and the powerful pull of pornography. The most listened to episodes of the Grizz podcast over the last five years have been episodes related to that subject. I understand that struggle. I understand that struggle very well. And I now focus most of my ministry efforts on helping Christian men with that struggle. And the reason I do that is because I believe that pornography is the number one issue holding Christian men back 
from experiencing God's best for their life. I believe that here in these times in which we live in our technological culture with smartphones constantly in our hands or in our pockets, porn has become the number one tool the enemy uses to keep Christian men from stepping up and fulfilling their destiny. You know, statistics say that about 70% of Christian men admit that they struggle with pornography. Of Christian men ages 18 to 30, 77% said they watch porn at least monthly. Within this group, 36% said they watch it daily. And overall, two-thirds of Christian men watch porn at least monthly, and 37% say they seek it out several times per week. So if you're in a church of 1,000 men, then you need to know that about 700 of them in that church of 1,000 men struggle with pornography and have watched it within the last month. And about 400 of them in that church of a thousand men, 400 of them watch porn several times just this past week. If you're in a church of 100 men, then that means about 70 of them struggle with pornography and have watched it within the last month. And it means about 40 of them out of that church of a hundred men used it several times this past week. Many believe that these stats are underestimated because of the fact that nudity and various sexual scenes are no longer considered porn by many people. Many professing Christians don't even call porn porn anymore, unless it's some sort of extreme, hardcore, perverted form of porn, if that makes sense. My brothers, listen to me. God has commanded us to live a sexually pure life. That is his will for our Christian lives. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 8 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, Disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Amen. God, help us to live that. Help us to be men of God, pure men of God. We cannot do it without you in and through us. Most of you listening know that Scripture um, says this, what I just read. You, you know that. You know what scripture tells you to do regarding sexual purity. You know that God's commanded you to live a sexually pure life. 
And that's not really what you need help with, most of you. Most of you listening don't need help with the what. What does God say about sex and purity and pornography? Most of you don't need help with the what. Most of you listening need help with the how. How can I live sexually pure, Grizz? Because I keep falling and it feels impossible to break free. And I feel down. I feel discouraged. I feel frustrated. I feel disgusted with myself. Man, I get it. I understand all of those feelings, my brothers. I have been there many, many times. And I'm going to show you the how. I'm going to give you some effective biblical strategies to fight lust that I use and I teach to other guys. But first, I need to make sure we're all on the same page with the what. Before we get into the how, I need to make sure we're all on the same page with the what. This episode will be part one of effective biblical strategies to fight lust. Part two is where I plan to get into more of the specifics of the how. If you're listening to this podcast, then I'm assuming that you're a Christian man and you already understand that God's design for sex and sexual pleasure is one biological man and one biological woman who are married husband and wife. I'm assuming that you understand that that is God's design for sex and sexual pleasure. One biological man and one biological woman who are married. And I'm assuming that you already understand that any kind of sexual activity outside of that is wrong. That's what the Bible calls sin or quote unquote sexual immorality. Here's an interesting fact. The actual word for sexual immorality that was used in the original writings of the New Testament, which was Koine Greek, is the word porneia. It occurs about 25 times in the New Testament and is used to refer to any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage. Our English word pornography comes from that word porneia. Even though the word pornography is not specifically mentioned in the New Testament, it makes perfect sense to include it in the category of sexual immorality because pornography focuses a person's sexual desire and energy on someone who is not their spouse. And remember in Matthew 5, 28, Jesus made it very clear that sexually lusting after someone who is not your spouse is adultery of the heart. And adultery is definitely a type of sexual immorality or what the Bible calls in the original language, porneia. And that is frequently addressed in the Bible. Let me show you a few passages where this term porneia, a.k.a. sexual immorality, is used in the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3-5. through 5. I just read it earlier. This is God's will, your sanctification, that you should abstain from, abstain from porneia. That each of you should learn how to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. 
1 Corinthians 6.13. The body is not meant for porneia, but for the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6.18. Flee from porneia. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever commits porneia sins against their own body. Ephesians 5.3. But among you, there must not even be a hint of porneia or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. In Matthew 19.9, Jesus said that porneia on the part of a spouse is a legitimate reason for divorce. I'm just showing you a few passages where this term porneia, aka sexual immorality, is used in the New Testament. So as I said earlier, if you're listening to this podcast right here, right now, then I'm assuming that you already understand that any kind of sexual activity or pleasure outside of marriage between a biological man and a biological woman is wrong. It's sin. It's what the Bible calls sexual immorality, a.k.a. parneia. I'm assuming we're all on the same page with all of this before we dig into how you can effectively fight sexual lust. If you're not on the same page as me with what God says about all of this, then what I'm going to share with you in this episode and on the next episode is pretty much pointless. You should turn me off and actually go do some diligent exegetical study of the Word of God regarding God's design for human sexuality. Then get on the same page and then come see me. When I was growing up in the 80s, the churches that I attended They didn't talk much about important subjects like sex, lust, pornography, and masturbation. And that's a shame because so many within the church were and still are struggling with those issues. Men, women, teens, even children. And the Bible has much to say that can help us with our sexual struggles. Much to say. But because of the church's silence on those important subject subjects, I was given the impression that sex was some sort of forbidden thing that we were to stay away from as Christians. But yet, like many of you, I found myself extremely interested in sex. Even as a kid, I had strong sexual desires. Lots of questions about sexual things. Lots of curiosity about sexual things. But no one ever helped guide me with any of it. My father never had one talk with me about sex, lust, pornography, masturbation, dating, how to treat a female. And that's bad, bad, bad parenting. That silence about sexuality causes major problems. It definitely did for me. You know, letting a boy try to figure out life on his own, especially when it comes to sexuality, is always a disaster. The Bible commands Christian fathers to instruct their children in the way they should live. See Ephesians 6.4 and Proverbs 22.60. I'm sorry, 22.6, not 60. (laughs) I believe the real reason why so many Christian fathers 
don't talk to their children about important subjects like sex, lust, pornography, and masturbation is because they themselves are ensnared in some sort of secret sexual sin. I believe that was the reason for my father's silence. I don't think it was that he was completely ignorant of what was wrong and right with sexual things. I think his silence was mostly because he was ensnared by his own sexual lust and he felt like a hypocrite talking to me about things like that. I know that my father looked at porn as a Christian man, as a head deacon in our church. I found one of his hidden Playboy magazines. I even found a pornographic video in his bedroom. He also had sex with females who were not his wife. So my father remained silent on important issues like sex, lust, pornography, and masturbation. And guess what happened to me? Just like many of you, all that I learned about sex, I ended up learning from pornographic videos and magazines. And man, Pornography is a horrible sex ed teacher. It didn't help me. I'll tell you what it did. It corrupted my heart and it damaged my mind. It ruined my ability to view females properly. To the point where I struggled to look at them as people. I began to look at females in the real world as objects for my lust. Lots of mental fantasy took over. This is one of the damaging effects of porn use upon young men and middle-aged men and old men. I brought that damage into my dating relationships and even into my marriage. I regret ever looking at pornography. I mean that. We all remember the first time we looked at porn. It's carved into our memory bank. It is. I have never talked with a guy who can't remember the first time he saw pornography. In fact, he can tell me vivid details about that particular experience in his life. It doesn't matter if he's 70 years old. For me, it was a Playboy magazine that I found on a construction site in my neighborhood. It was in the Portageon of that construction site. I was by myself on my bike, riding by the construction site. I can see it so clearly in my mind. And something dark called to me to trespass onto that construction site that was surrounded by a six-foot fence. It was so bizarre. Something dark called to me. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I'm telling you, something dark was telling me that there was something there, something forbidden. Go into that construction site. Cross the fence. Go to the Portageon. 
something forbidden is there. Something that a big part of me wanted to find. It was bizarre. And when I found it, man, my heart raced. And I had to have it for myself. So I stole it. And I hid it in the woods at the neighborhood park. And I'd go look at it daily. I showed it to a friend. At that time in my life, I was probably around seven or eight years old. That Playboy magazine opened up a Pandora's box, if you're familiar with that fairy tale. It ended up unleashing many evils into my life. You see, there's a dark magic that is unleashed when you begin using pornography. You don't notice it at first, the dark magic. But over the years, you look back and you can see that it's changed you and not for the better. Just like many of you listening at a very young age, I became addicted to pornography, heavily addicted. For about a decade from age 7 to 17, I looked at porn multiple times a week, sometimes daily. And at times, it was for hours upon hours. I was completely mesmerized by it. I had magazines and even videos hidden in my bedroom. My porn addiction, it led me into more sin and worse sin. Some really dark desires and thoughts were forming inside of me. Thankfully, I didn't act on them. But it was troubling that I was having the dark desires and thoughts that I was having. That's what I mean by there being a dark magic that is unleashed when you begin using pornography. At the time, I didn't make the connection with those dark desires to my porn addiction. I, I didn't see the connection, but I see it clear as day now. Again, listen to me, guys, especially you young guys. Pornography is a dark magic that leads a person down a dark rabbit hole that will enslave and destroy them. But you don't realize it when you're under the spell of the dark magic and spiraling down that dark rabbit hole. The realization of that hits you much later. It often hits you when you finally hit rock bottom, when there's a crisis of truth. Something major has happened because of your sexual sin, whether it's a loss of a job, a loss of a marriage, or even an arrest. Something major has happened. And then you see the dark magic and the dark rabbit hole that it has led you down, enslaving and destroying you. It isn't until you finally hit some sort of rock bottom some sort of crisis of truth, and then you see it. This reminds me of a quote that one of the guys on our climb teams shared this past week. Our climb teams are online support and accountability groups for Christian men who struggle with porn and other unwanted sexual behavior. We meet once a week online. You can check that out at our website, narrowtrail.com. Here's the quote he shared. It goes perfectly with what I was just saying to you. Evil rarely looks evil until it accomplishes its goal. 
Evil rarely looks evil until it accomplishes its goal. It gains entrance by appearing attractive, desirable, and perfectly legitimate. That is exactly how porn and other sexual sins work. They appear attractive, desirable, and perfectly legitimate. But then the dark magic begins its work to accomplish its goal, to completely enslave and destroy you. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying here. I hope it's causing your heart to beat faster. I hope it's scaring you. It should scare you. Porn and sexual sin should scare you like someone brought a box of chocolates in your house that are laced with poison. Poison that if you even touch the chocolates, let alone taste them, it will seep through the pores of your skin and begin to kill you. Say maybe like something like fentanyl. A box of chocolates laced with fentanyl being inside your house and the lid is off and there they are on the kitchen counter. Man, they look good. It's your favorite. It's dark chocolate, caramel. But you know what it's laced with and that should scare you. You should get completely out of the house. That's how porn and sexual sin should scare us as Christian men. Another thing that I have in common with many of you who are listening is that I wasn't just exposed to porn at a very young age, but I was also sexually abused at a young age, around the age of eight years old. It was by one of my older stepbrothers, and that definitely added to my struggle with pornography and sexual lust. It also made me question for a while if that made me gay. Did you hear me? Being sexually abused by my older stepbrother caused me to later question my own sexual identity. Did I ever struggle with same-sex attraction? No. But that abuse, it did cause me to struggle with many things that I should never have been struggling with as a kid. Dark things that should have never even been crossing my mind as a young kid. I dealt with all of this in secret for many, many years, in isolation. I had no one to talk to about any of this. And I want to say, as a side note, that I do personally know some Christian men who struggle, feel the pull with same-sex attraction. I don't look down on them. I don't judge them. I've worked with some of them. And I will continue to work with them to help them pursue God's best for their life. Just because you don't struggle with a certain sin, don't ever think you're better than someone else who does. Period. You have no idea what's in that person's background that led them into whatever sin they are struggling with. Just like some of you have no idea or you had no idea 
about my background. Just felt like I needed to say that. Anyway, some of you who are listening, man, you relate, don't you? You were also sexually abused as a child, and it caused you to question your own sexual identity. It may have even led you into same-sex attraction or even a homosexual encounter. Sexual abuse is an extremely difficult wound to live with. Let me say that again. Sexual abuse is an extremely difficult wound to live with, and yet many Christian men are living with it. You need to talk to a trained professional about it, a counselor, a therapist, pastor, a coach, one who understands and knows how to help you process that trauma and overcome it. Therapists say that men who've endured childhood sexual abuse often struggle later in life with unwanted sexual behaviors and addictions. They're right. I'm one of them. I wasn't just sexually abused by an older stepbrother. I was also physically and verbally abused continually by my stepmother. You see, my real mother died of pancreatic cancer when I was five years old, and I grew up pretty neglected by my father. I was a deeply wounded and insecure kid who did a lot of bad things for attention, acceptance, and approval from my peers. I was prime for pornography addiction. Like many of you listening, I use porn as a type of medication. You see, it wasn't just that the women in those porn magazines and videos looked attractive. It wasn't just my inner sexual lust or my horniness as a young man that fueled my addiction. There was much more going on with the dark magic. Deeper things were at work inside of my heart and my soul. You see, within the fantasy world of pornography, I also found an intoxicating form of escape, acceptance, connection, and affection. I longed for all of those things because I lacked them in my home life. I never got them from my parents. I did from my mom, but then she died when I was five. I, I needed more of that growing up. Porn and masturbation brought me some temporary relief and comfort. It was how I medicated from my wounds. Stress, anxiety, fear, depression, loneliness, insecurity, etc., I use porn and masturbation to medicate all of that. In his book, Healing the Scars of Childhood Abuse, Dr. Greg Jantz wrote this. If people are unreliable and unpredictable, children who are abused may find certain behaviors and substances appealing because they appear more constant and certain. Children turn to a variety of outside sources to feel better. Food, cigarettes, drugs, alcohol, sexual activity, video games, just about anything that produces a pleasure response. 
man, that was me. The people close to me when I was a kid, the quote unquote family, were not just unreliable and unpredictable. Man, they were evil. They were abusive. They were leading me down a destructive, wide road. As a kid, I began turning to porn and masturbation to feel better for a little while. It helped you feel better for a little while. And now, some 40 years later, I've come to understand why it actually helped me feel better for a little while. You see, the science of porn addiction, that's right, the science of it, has revealed that there's an extremely powerful cocktail of neurochemicals released when a person uses porn and masturbation. These neurochemicals provide excitement, pleasure, comfort, relaxation, a calming feeling. I'm talking about neurochemicals like serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, and vasopressin. All of those neurochemicals are at work with sex or with using porn and masturbation as a sex substitute. And they're highly addictive. But here's the problem, my brothers. There's a painful hook within the bait of sexual immorality, porneia. Dr. Greg Jantz goes on to write, what works in the moment to numb or alleviate the pain can cause collateral damage in the long term. These costs can be expensive and can complicate a person's emotional, intellectual, physical, relational, and spiritual health. These costs eventually become unavoidable, no matter how fast or how far you try to outrun them. My brothers, listen to me. Please listen to me. Sin has a cost. Sin always has a cost. Porn has a cost. The bait of porn and masturbation looks so good, but it has a painful hook within it. Sexual sin, it's not the worst sin in the Bible, but it is a very unique sin because of how it damages us in ways that other sins do not. Long before neuroscience revealed how porn damages a person, God tried to warn us. Like a few thousand years ago, he tried to warn us. One passage of scripture where he tells us this is in 1 Corinthians 6.13, where he says, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, porneia. It's not meant for porneia, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. God goes on to say to us in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, flee from sexual immorality, flee from porneia, get away from it. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. God is trying to warn us. He's been trying to warn humanity. Sexual sin is a unique sin that will damage you. When you look at porn and masturbate to it, you sin against your own body. You damage yourself. 
Sin thrills, but then it kills. It fascinates, but it slowly assassinates. Like some of you listening, I had a lot of unhealed wounds in my life growing up. And I was using porn and masturbation to medicate them. But let me tell you what that was like. It was like using some old disease-infected bandages. Some old disease blood-stained infected bandages to cover a bleeding wound. Yes, it provided temporary relief. But all I did is make my condition worse. For decades, I didn't understand that 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 was what I was doing. I didn't understand that my sinful addiction to pornography and masturbation wasn't just because I was a horny kid, but it was also because it's how I medicated childhood wounds and how I dealt with any kind of stress, rejection, loneliness, disappointment, anger, boredom. It's how I dealt with all of that. It was my go-to. Man, when I was growing up, no church or pastor ever talked about this sort of thing. There were no Christian books or podcasts available to address any of this. As I said earlier, there was a lot more going on with me than just being sexually attracted to those women and porn magazines and videos. It wasn't just sexual lust. It wasn't just horniness. Me so horny. It wasn't just that. That wasn't the only thing fueling my addiction. There was a whole lot more going on with the dark magic of pornography and why I was hooked on it. And the same is true for many of you who are listening. Let's take a quick break. I'm going to go warm up my coffee, my 127 coffee. (laughs) And then we'll talk some more on this important subject. finish it up. I'm going to finish it up strong. I got one more round to go with you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I got one more round, Tommy. Let's do it. By the way, 
I'm drinking 127 coffee, which is exceptional coffee because I'm done with mediocre coffee. I'm done with good coffee. I've gone to a whole new level. This coffee, 127 coffee, makes a difference in the lives of underprivileged children, teens, and families in Uganda through Victory 127 Mission. They're providing food, clothing, shelter, education, and the good news of Jesus Christ. Go order a few bags at 127.coffee, 127.coffee, and use the promo code GRIZ, G-R-I-Z. They're going to give you 10% off your first order. My brothers, you won't be disappointed. You're going to thank me. It truly is exceptional coffee, and every time you take a satisfying sip of it, you also feel a deep satisfaction knowing that you're helping to make a difference in Uganda. Get enough of like that Night Rider remix. <laughs> That's so good, man. All right. Let's finish it out. One more round. So it wasn't until my college years that I began to learn some really helpful information about sex sexual temptation, pornography, masturbation, etc. I was going to a Christian university and uh, I had really truly given my life to Christ my junior year of high school and uh, started really going to church, seeking God. I was very involved in my youth group after that. I got really close with my youth pastor. And like I said, I was going to uh, a Christian university that was a really good environment for me to be in. A lot of good classes, good professors. Um, we had basically chapel service three days a week. They called it convocation, some extraordinary speakers. We were doing small groups in our dorm rooms once a week. I uh, was able to go to just tons of different seminars and conferences that were you know, afforded to us. It was good for me. So it wasn't until college years that I began to learn some really helpful information about sex, sexual temptation, pornography, masturbation, etc. And it was also my youth pastor. His name is Tim Duggins. Uh, he's on the board of directors for our ministry, Narrow Trail Ministries. He's been on the board of directors since the found, founding of our ministry. And uh, it's, if it's in my power, he always will be until... Uh, until he dies. Uh, it was him, my youth pastor, that began to help me address and deal with the sexual abuse that I suffered as a child. He was the very first person, youth pastors, listen to me on this. He was the very first person to ask me if I had ever been sexually abused. I had never told anyone. Now, listen, he didn't ask me that the first time he met me. 
we had developed a relationship. He had earned the right to be heard. I had trusted him. I knew he had my back. He was really involved in my life and my development and was helping me with all sorts of things. So eventually he just asked me if I had ever been sexually abused. Uh, He became a camp director at a Christian camp. I went there to work. He knew I was going to be working with children and teens and he did it privately, but he just said, Hey man, have you ever, I need to know kind of what's going on, more of your background and you're going to be working with kids and teens. And he asked me that. And I was angry, man. I was angry that he asked me that question. I was like, who cares? Like, what's the point? What's it matter if I have been? I got real defensive. He was very calm, gentle, very loving. Just looked me in the eyes and he was like, hey, Jay. You know I love you, man. No, I care about you. You know I got your back. It's okay. I've been through stuff myself, different things. He assured me that he was on my side and that he wanted to help me grow in Christ. And to do so meant that I needed to address all of the wounds of my past. So we began talking about it. And it really helped to get that out. It really helped to face the wound, to address it, to deal with it, and to learn from it. And now I can easily talk about it. I'm not defensive. It doesn't bother me. I'm not embarrassed about it. I don't care what people think. I just don't. Over the last three decades, I have learned some incredible uh, things regarding all of this stuff with sex and porn and temptation and lust and masturbation from just some godly gifted, incredible pastors, teachers, professors, authors, therapists, counselors, coaches over the last three decades. At the time of this recording, I'm 48 years old. And you know what? I'm still learning, man. Every week I'm still learning. There isn't a week that goes by that I'm not reading from top experts, authors, counselors, therapists, coaches, podcasters, pastors regarding this subject. Still, still learning, man. Still sharpening. Still trying to gain insight for myself and also for the guys I try to help. I don't know at all regarding this issue that we're dealing with here on this episode, the next episode, but Man, I've learned some valuable things over the years that I want to share with you guys. Valuable things that I wish to God a godly mentor would have shared with me as a child or as a teen. And one of those valuable things that I learned is that sex, listen to me, is not a bad thing. Sex is not a bad thing, nor is sexual pleasure a bad thing. Now, that may shock some of you, but hear me out. Think about it, man. God is the one who invented sex, not us. God is also the one who created the orgasm, not us. And all of those powerful neurochemicals that are released during a sexual experience, serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, and vasopressin, God created all of those too, not us. 
So use your brains, guys. Like, what does that tell us? If it all came from God, then it's not a bad thing. Because scripture says that everything good in our lives comes down from God, the Father of lights. Listen to me, guys. Sex is not a bad thing. Sexual pleasure is not a bad thing. On the contrary, sex and sexual pleasure and orgasm is a good thing. It's a very good thing. It's actually a good gift from God. But here's the deal. God says it's a wedding gift. That's right. It's a wedding gift. That's only to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife, a biological man and a biological woman within the confines of marriage. Anything outside of that violates his will for your Christian life. Anything outside of that is what the Bible calls sin. It's porneia, sexual immorality. And it always brings painful consequences. I can't say that enough. Yes, listen, I get it. Sexual sin is extremely pleasurable in the moment. Oh my gosh, is it? Or guys wouldn't get involved in it. And they wouldn't keep going back to it. Chocolate-covered poison, my brothers. Remember me saying that. It's laced. The dark magic always brings painful consequences. Most of the time, you won't see those consequences right away. But trust me, eventually you will. It will enslave and destroy your life. I speak from my own experience in my own life, but also from the experiences of the Christian guys that I've worked with over the years, who I'm working with right now, today working with, today met one-on-one with some of them, dealing with the painful consequences of broken marriages, loss of friends, financial disaster, children, their own children who want nothing to do with their dad because of his sexual sins and the hurt it has caused their mother and the embarrassment and shame it's brought upon their family. Pastors who've lost ministry positions and also guys, just the the painful consequences of inner battles they deal with because of their sexual sin, things like guilt and shame, depression, anxiety. Had a guy tell me this week that it wrecked him with panic attacks. I've talked to Christian guys over the phone this week who have been caught in affairs and been put out of their house, away from their wife and children, And right now, as I record this, they are forced to live in a hotel. And they're being threatened with divorce and even restraining orders from the police. One of those guys, a husband and a dad, was even forced to sleep in his car behind a gas station. All of these guys I work with will tell you that a huge contributing factor to all of their mess, their pain, was their secret porn addiction that they never brought to the light and never got help with. It grew 
it escalated like a malignant tumor. My brothers, listen to me. 60% of U.S. marriages end in divorce. 60%. 56% of them named pornography as a contributing factor to the divorce. That makes porn actively responsible for ending 33% of all marriages. I'm not judging or condemning any of those guys. They're my brothers in Christ. Man, I accept them. I pray for them. I listen to them. I guide them. I encourage them. I hold them accountable. I have guys who do the same for me. I need that in my life every single day. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I could be right there with with so many of them. I'm just trying to help you see that when we go outside of God's design for sex and sexual pleasure, the dark magic always brings painful consequences. You need to hear it. I need to hear it continually. We need to continually be reminded of this. Referring to what sexual sin does to a man, the writer of Proverbs asked this rhetorical question in Proverbs chapter 6. Can a man take fire against his bosom and not be burned? Proverbs 6.27 Can a man take fire against his bosom and not be burned? What a great question for us to ask ourselves. It's saying, can a man pick up fire, hold it against his chest and his clothes and it not burn him? (laughs) Of course not. The obvious answer is no. If you scoop up burning embers from a campfire, hold them close to your body, you will burn your hands, your clothes, and maybe much worse. In the same way, Those who choose to hold on to sexual sin should expect painful consequences. The next verse of scripture, Proverbs 6, 28, asks a similar question. Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Again, the obvious answer is no. If you walk barefoot across the hot coals of a campfire, you can expect your feet to be severely burned. Can a man take fire against his bosom and not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Listen to what it says after that. So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. Ponder those questions. Think about your own life, my brothers. The writer of Proverbs is warning us of the dangers of pursuing sexual pleasure outside of God's design. Marriage between a biological man and a biological woman. I sound so old fashioned, Grizz. Come on, man. It's like 2023. Everybody's freaking doing it, man. No, they're not. I don't care what year it is. It's what God says. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. God has told you what you need to do. God has warned you what's going to happen if you don't do what he says. Don't get shocked that you're freaking burned when you take fire to your bosom, when you walk on hot coals. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this has happened to me. Why would God let this happen? You did that. You did that. Can God forgive his children for going outside of his design and his will? 
absolutely, man. I'm so grateful for the gospel, dude. I'm so grateful for the mercy and grace of God that comes through Christ's substitutionary death on the cross. But please listen to me. You need to understand that his forgiveness does not prevent us from experiencing painful consequences for our sinful choices. Like when we use porn and masturbation. Can a man take fire against his bosom and not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Dude, you need to know. Can God forgive? Absolutely. Every time. His grace is amazing. His love is steadfast. When you come to him, you come to the Lord who sits on the mercy seat. It is a throne of grace. But you also need to understand God has warned you about this sin. There are consequences, painful consequences. It is a bait that hides the hook. It is chocolate-covered poison. I think that going over an hour here, man, this is more than enough meat, (laughs) some grade A meat to chew on for this episode, my brothers. Next week, I'm going to drop part two of these talks on effective biblical strategies to find lust. This episode was mostly about the what. I want to make sure we're on the same page about the what, (laughs) what God says about sex and porn and lust. What does he say about this? And then this next episode, what I plan to do is move more into the how. How? How can I fight lust and win the battle? That's such important information. That That's really what I feel most Christian guys need. They need teaching and guidance on that. I would venture to say that 98% of the Christian guys who listen to this episode would say, I, I already knew all this. <laughs> Dude, I, I know what God's standard is. One biological man, one biological woman within the confines of marriage, that's where sex is supposed to stay and sexual pleasure is supposed to say to stay. That's God's plan. That's when sex and sexual pleasure and an orgasm is so good. Even before God, God says that is good. Enjoy it. Most Christian guys, I would say 98% that listen to this, they already knew this. But what they're struggling with is like, how man, nobody has shown me how. And that's what I want to help you with. Hey man, I hope this all comes across the right way. Not as a, I'm up here, you're down there. I'm the Jedi guru of this. Brothers, I am in the battle with you. I am fighting the fight with you. Listen, I'm not totally where I want to be. I'm not the man I'm going to be. But I know this. One of the 
brothers in one of our climb teams said it this week, and I was like shouting amen. Shout out to you, my man, Mike. He said, uh, I'm not where I want to be, but man, I'm not the man I was. I'm not the man I was. It doesn't got a grip on me like it had. And I was like, amen. Because it's not about perfection. It's about fighting the fight. The Christian life is not about perfection. It's about a process. It's about a climb. It's about growth. It's about sanctification, becoming more like Christ. It's about transformation from the inside out. Not behavior modification, but true heart transformation that leads to changes in our behaviors. I'm going to drop part two of these talks next week. That's the plan. Stay tuned for a few closing items of Grizz Biz. All right. If you find this content helpful, please leave us a quick rating and review wherever you listen to the Grizz podcast. If you're a regular listener, please, why don't you become a monthly contributor to the show, you freaking moron? Help us out, man. (laughs) The Grizz podcast is an outreach of Narrow Trail Ministries Incorporated. And as a faith-based nonprofit ministry, we fully rely upon God's provision through his people. You can go to our website, make a one-time donation, or set up to become a monthly supporter for as little as 10 or $20 per month. That's not a lot, but it's a lot to us. It really helps out. Yes, even a donation of $10 per month really helps us out. Go to narrowtrail.com, narrowtrail.com, click on our give page, or take your phone right now and text the word give. Text the word give to 301-888-6860. 301-888-6860. It's quick, it's easy to set up, and I promise it's safe and secure. Also, If you're interested in doing some one-on-one coaching with the Grizz, there's a short online application on our website at narrowtrail.com. My personal approach with one-on-one coaching is highly relational, gospel-centered, and biblically grounded. I believe that God and His Word are the ultimate source of authority for life, and I'm convinced that His way of describing problems, identifying their causes, and overcoming them is superior to any other methods or therapy offered by man or secular psychology. Go to our website, narrowtrail.com, click on the coaching page, and fill out the short online application. Also, I mentioned it earlier, if you're interested in being part of one of our online support accountability groups for Christian men that meets every single week via Zoom, uh, guys who are struggling with porn or other unwanted sexual behaviors, dude, go to our website, narrowtrail.com, click on the climb team page, fill out the short online application. Dude, I lead all of those. We have some spots available, but they're filling up pretty quick, man. And I'm thankful for that. If you would just like to connect with me and introduce yourself, my email is jason at narrowtrail.com. I love hearing from our listeners. If you've never connected with me, let me know who you are, where you're listening from. We have listeners from all over the world. I'm thankful for all of you guys. And I'll send you a Grizz and a Narrow Trail sticker in the mail. Some good books that I highly recommend on this subject of porn addiction are The Game Plan by Joe Dallas. All of our climb teams go through that book. 
and also The Healing Church, What Churches Get Wrong About Pornography by Sam Black. It's a great book for pastors and youth pastors to be reading. And also the book Porn Free by my friend Matt Dobshoots, the Dobber. Shout out to you, my brother, over at the Porn Free Radio Podcast, which you better be subscribed to. All three of those books are extremely helpful. I'll put Amazon links in the freaking show notes. Also, sign up for Covenant Eyes Internet Accountability. Get it on all your devices. Protect yourself. Protect your kids. Protect your uh, teens. You need to be accountable with all of your online activity. And you need to know, like, dude, what your kids and teens are doing online. Like, that's part of your job as a dad. You need to protect them. When you're at checkout at CovenantEyes.com, when you sign up, use the promo code GRIZZIN, G-R-I-Z-Z-I-N. They're going to give you your first month completely free. Lastly, don't forget about getting some 127 coffee. Go to 127.coffee, 127.coffee. You get 10% off when you use the promo code GRIZ, G-R-I-Z, GRIZ. That's it for now, my brothers. Thanks for listening. Take what you've heard and go apply it to your life. Also, share it with a friend or a men's group who needs it. Share it with the teen guys in your youth ministry. Also, man, dude... You got to take 30 seconds and leave us a quick rating or review for this podcast. Wherever you listen, just do it. Just freaking do it, man. Or I'm going to hunt you down. I'm going to maul you.